Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. What you doing here, boy? Going home, sir. You ain't out here looking for trouble, are you, Kyle? Not one bit, I swear it. Hands on! It is that time of year again where we get 20 people to stand around a truck with one hand on it. Day and night, the last person standing with their hand on it, mind you, wins that truck. Not a word. You didn't see nothing. I need that truck. Isn't it dangerous, I mean, to leave a bunch of people standing out in the heat without any sleep? No, it's a blast. I'm not taking my hands off the truck. So hey, you get your <laughs> Buzzer's about to sound. Hop to it. Come on, break's over. You want to win this truck, don't you? It's such a blast, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. For real. Hands on, about to hit the 40-hour mark. Expecting this thing to go over 100 hours. Hey, Biloxi, don't you sweat on my truck now, you hear? Oh, say can you You know why people come here watching us? It's a show. A really good show. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 520. Releasing April 4 in the US in select theatres and on demand and digital is one of these days. A drama set in small town Texas, where an annual endurance competition to win a pickup truck draws 20 eager competitors who battle in a war of attrition. Loosely based on true events, one of these days is a fascinating exploration into how the pursuit of the American dream often means enduring an American nightmare. And joining me now to talk about one of these days is the film's director and writer, Bastien. Bastien, I thank you so very much for your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This movie is really interesting, especially in that it is loosely based on a real-life endurance competition that was documented um, in a 1997 documentary called um, Hands on a Hard Body. Um, from what I've heard of your previous um, interviews, um, your wife studied in Texas and she recommended this movie to you. Um, when you watched the film, what was it about the film that really stuck with you? And what also do you think was missing in that movie that you thought you could put bring some more kind of um, uh, more depth to uh, the the story? Because from what I remember from Hands on the Hard Body, while it was an, an interesting movie, it was more of a film that kind of looked at the, the ridiculous nature of the event as opposed to looking into the uh, more humanity, human aspects of the people involved in that. Yeah, I think that's that's totally right. Um, so when I watched it back in uh, 2010, maybe, I guess, um, I thought it was a really entertaining movie and uh, as you said, it focused more on the bizarre moments and on 
um, I guess, the entertaining, funny uh, aspect of the whole competition. And that was also something that kind of, um, I don't know, I was a little confused that the film didn't really, this documentary didn't really criticize the competition at all. Because it's very clear from watching this film that it is um, about exploiting people, you know, and use them as an entertainment. People who can't afford to buy a truck um, participate in this contest and they are basically um, like gladiators in an arena mm. and people swing by and watch it for an hour or two, have a drink and then drive home. And so, um, yeah, immediately after watching it, I was like, okay, that was fun to watch, but there's something missing. And um, the whole perspective of like, this is not cool, <laughs> basically. And um, so this is then when I um, started researching more uh, and basically finding this, um, this tragic story that happened. What I really appreciated about your movie is that it's a film that although set in the South, although dealing with this larger-than-life scenario, it's not a film that delves into caricature in any way. It's not a film that delves into, you know, like other another filmmaker could have easily done a kind of like a um, Christopher Guest-style comedy, like a mockumentary kind of thing, and have all these kind of larger-life characters do that. But thankfully yours didn't do that, and I think in delving into the exploitative nature of these of what's happening to these people and also presenting the humanity behind these people in these yellow shirts um i think it was a very important decision on your part mm -hmm. yeah um <clears throat> you're right you, you don't see very often films that are set in the south that um treat the characters um in a very serious or true way. It's very often, as you said, it becomes kind of a um, cliche. And um, me being an outsider and being originally from Germany, I think maybe helps a little bit to get around this because you have to just observe more and you have to learn. And uh, that's what I felt I had to do. And so you're just like, really trying to observe the South and travel and meet people and talk and see what's going on. And on the other side, I've been here now for long enough, I guess, like uh, 13 years, that um, I guess I understood, or I have understood a little bit now of um, the culture here. Um, and so it was very important to me that this film is true to the characters, and uh, especially with a topic like this. You can't make a film um this you know about the story and show hilarious southerner all the time that just would not work at all and what works really well for the film is that there is a unique um palpable kind of feel of authenticity in its environment as well um you shot the film in louisiana you shot it in the south and from what i i read you said before that it was really important to kind of cast a lot of people to be cast from that region as well. Um, why did you feel that casting people from that region would be so important for this story? 
um, as opposed to maybe, um, with the exception, of course, of, of Joe Cole, um, the lead, which we'll talk about soon, as opposed to getting someone from, I don't know, northern states, for example, why is it that the South-specific actors and talent from there are so important to play these characters? Yeah, I think there are several things. First, uh, I wanted them all to um, have a Southern accent and really blend in. Um, <clears throat> the story is set in a very small Southern town, and so I wanted it to really feel like these are all people who live here, who know each other, and they all talk in the same way, in the same slang, uh, the same accent. But also people from the South, they just know the South. And they came with great ideas for the characters. Everybody had so much fun to, um, um, and was really motivated to bring more to the film than there was in the script. And so, um, yeah, we had a whole ensemble of people that really cared about that story. Um, and so that was important too, that, you know, being from this part of the country, you just know what it's about and you, you treat your character that you play well and you don't betray it, you know? And so these were, I guess, the two reasons why I really wanted to, um, to have like Southerners, like Carrie Preston, she's from Georgia, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, this was just great to have all these people from the South in this film. When it came to Joe Cole, who plays the role of Kyle, who out of all of the or all of the characters, he's kind of like I guess you could say the the main focus outside of Carrie's character as well. Um, he's a fantastic actor in the point that I was watching the movie and I know I was looking at Joe Cole, but the the accent was so authentic and the demeanor as well um, was so different to what I've seen him to before that I was kind of second guessing myself in that context. Um, casting him in this in this movie. What was it like working with him? And what is his process like? Because what, from what I understand about his, the way he approaches his roles, he's someone that really kind of likes to stick with his character through like the throughout production. Is that something that was uh, something that happened here as well? Yeah, totally. So when he, uh, I think he arrived like a week before we started shooting. Um, and when he arrived, he didn't have his accent down. The, uh, he was still talking in his British English and um, I was like, oh, let's see if this works. <laughs> and uh, But we had a very good um, uh, dialect coach in uh, New Orleans and she worked with him every day, every day. And after two or maybe three days, Joe started talking the whole time in the Southern accent. Like even when we were out for dinner in the evening or the weekend and we were talking about the next week or he was the whole time in this um, character and was only talking in this southern accent for like six weeks or i don't know how long but really long and um so that was really um great i mean he really dived into it and um stayed in in the in the character and um, when we were done with the shooting, suddenly the goofy British guy popped up again and uh, with his British English and uh, there was um, Joe Cole again. So, yeah, it was it was great to see this happening right in front of my eyes, basically. And uh, and working with him was great. He um, He's super focused. 
And um, and since he was in this role of Kyle, who is kind of like a very quiet guy, it was mostly me talking to him uh, in the breaks or when I was um, giving him directions. He was mostly just listening and taking it in and then doing his stuff. And um, yeah, uh, it was great. And um, yeah, after six, seven weeks, he... Uh, we were done and um, this British accent came back. <laughs> the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Tee Public is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Amazon, the world's leading online store. Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. The Kyle character, he's... What you do with the film narrative-wise and structure-wise is really interesting in that you kind of flip the script in a certain way and that you kind of see who he is as a, as a person um, post the competition. I don't want to give away too much as to how that all kind of works out, but it's really interesting because... To me, his character says a lot about uh, manhood, the fragility of manhood, um, the need to be a provider and the desperate kind of situation that he finds himself in where even buying nappies for his for his uh, children, um, that becomes a, a, a marathon in itself because his car keeps breaking down all the time and he needs his truck. Um, how important was it for you and Joe to delve into the backstory of this character and, and talk about who he was not only um as as a as a person who is in a desperate situation but very much so even though he's a he was a man with a temper he's very much a loving man and a sensitive man who has just really found himself in a situation where he can't be the provider that he wants to be in during the competition when his manhood is questioned I think it's really something of a of a switch that goes off in his brain that kind of drives him over the edge there mm. Yeah, I mean, I see Kyle as a very um, vulnerable person, and uh, yeah, he has a he has a temper, but he is, as you said, loving, and he feels a lot of pressure, or maybe he puts himself under a lot of pressure during this contest. That's his chance, maybe, to prove that he can provide for the family, that he is not, um, uh, you know. A loser or uh, um, so that's his chance and um, this pressure builds up and combined with all these um, games that they play around the truck and provoking mm -hmm. all that stuff and after four or five days of sleep deprivation and just standing there he can't you know take it anymore but um, yeah for me it was really important from the beginning when I started writing the script that Kyle gets a chapter 
at the end of the film where we see him before even the contest starts. And the reason was, for me, I wanted to create a feeling. So these competitions, they play with hope. And they, you know, they say, okay, if you win that truck, everything will be fine. Which is, of course, not true. And so I wanted to create a feeling at the end or a scene that looks, if you just see the scene like a happy end, but because you know what's coming, it's like bittersweet or, you know, uh, sad. And so, but I really wanted to, to end with Kyle and his family being actually hopeful at the end of the film. But as we all know, by then it is not. And also I wanted to give him that backstory at the end because he's one of these 20 people standing around the truck. So he's one of these yellow shirts. And I think you get a feeling while you're watching his backstory that everybody else has a story as well. <clears throat> yeah. So he's kind of representing the other 20 people. Everybody has a reason to be at the truck. Everybody has a life, a story. And, but this is what, what happens. You watch 20 yellow shirts around the truck and it's like one pile of entertainment in front of you, but you don't see the individual. Yes. And so by seeing him in the end, I hope that um, people would think about it. The we talked I talked to Mangitra about how this contest is kind of like a war of attrition, all these people trying to grind the other person down psychologically mm -hmm. or, or or what have you. Um there are some real extremes in the way people go about doing so. When you were doing your research into you know, this story and other, I'm sure there's other stories like it with these endurance competitions. I know uh, I've seen videos of ones that have happened in uh, Europe and other places as well. Did you uh, come across any of these kind of like examples of how, of the extremes people will go to, to try to outdo and outwit other people? Um, and uh, were those examples things that we see in the movie as well? Well, <clears throat> there is this, um, well, I don't want to give away too much, but during one contest, one um, one person was suspected to have a twin, mm. which he didn't have. But people told me about it that they were suspecting him to have one because he was always going on a jog in the 15-minute break and he won the truck and he was not tired. Even after 120 hours, he was still standing like it was nothing. And so people were like, he must have a twin and they switch out and take breaks and they asked him and they said so what's going on and he said no no i'm doing this professionally i this is already my third truck that i won so mm -hmm. he i guess went to the whole country and signed up for these endurance contests and was kind of a professional <laughs> but just this idea or the suspicion I, I was so intrigued by it that i used it in in the film and um but uh, from the other things, like there's this old older guy, Walter, uh, what he's doing, this was just an idea that I had. So this was nothing that I found during my research or, or anything. So um, it almost seems crazy enough to be real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm sure this is totally possible. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, 
I didn't come across it, but if somebody told me, yes, somebody did it, I would say, yeah, sure, I, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. Final question. Um, it's really interesting watching this movie, how we're talking about the exploitation of these people for entertainment. And it used to be that you have um, the traditional media um, or, or what have you, um, traditional businesses would do these competitions and film them and market them and these, you know, desperate people would take part because they need to you know, win this thing and hopefully get their lives back on track. Now it seems to me that this type of exploitation is more self-inflicted in the uh, creation of content on things like social media, YouTube. People use these platforms and they present, present themselves sometimes doing really embarrassing, ridiculous things. <clears throat> Um, for the attainment of clicks and sponsors <clears throat> to be influencers. Um, when you were making this movie and you're, and you're seeing how this has kind of evolved to uh, to a point where it seems like the screen has become like a filter where the soul gets captured and, and what comes out on the other end is kind of like almost like a, a shadow of a human being. Was that something that was of interest to you in that now it seems like a lot of these exploitative kind of things aren't happening by these big corporations anymore. It's happening just by people doing it to themselves. I find that incredibly fascinating how it, how it kind of evolved to be like that. Yeah, I guess I have to say I'm uh, not familiar with social media, so I'm, I don't really watch anything on there. I'm, I have no accounts anywhere, <laughs> so uh, I don't watch it or I see it or anything, but of course I, I know about it and um, yeah, I think that's just the next step. And in between, there was the step of reality TV. that um, mm. is still big, you know. Um, this is why reality TV is so successful. And I think it is um, what you just said, similar to TikTok or Instagram, and where people can just, you know, lean back in their chair and watch other people suffer or, um, um, you know, making fun of themselves or being ridiculous or an idiot or and it's, it's about schadenfreude it's about having a distance watching it from far away and um yeah having fun uh, on the expense of other people and i think that's a very human thing to have you know that's that's just how we are and this is why it works so well like social media reality tv these competitions too it's like we want to see people I guess, suffer or at least like um, being in situations that are painful or not great, <laughs> you know, mm. and we can sit there and uh, watch it and uh, think, oh, my life is, is pretty good. <laughs> and um, it's like, yeah. it's like that film Gladiator where Russell Crowe yells, are you not entertained as he, as he destroys everything in front of him? Yeah, it very much, it feels like that sometimes. And um and I got to say, like one of these days is just one of those films that really kind of just caught me off guard. I was really surprised and pleasantly surprised to just how much I was engrossed in. And I'm, I would say entertained as well, not in the concept of like I'm looking at the film as a um, as farcical, but just in the way that the film's made, crafted. I could really feel the heat and the humidity and the uh, and everything that's coming from the screen and. And I gotta say to everyone out there listening, April 14 in the US, um, 
one of these stage releases in select theaters on demand in digital. Um, I, I really recommend if any of you people out there are in those states or those cities where the film is in the theater, go watch it in the theater because um, this is a film that needs to be seen on a big screen. Um, you've got that um, deep south um, environment. You've got the, the performances. You've got it all comes together beautifully in the end. And uh, Bastian, I just want to say thank you to, for your time today and, and, and congratulations with the film. It's a, it's a really remarkable movie and I, I thank you for your time again today. Thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate it.